Hello and welcome to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table with my lovely wife, Kathy Waite. Hello, everybody. Uh, our podcast here is brought to you by our 2020 Base Builder Program. We're taking you through our annual off-season base training thought processes and training progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider by spring. And we're just like days away from the start of winter, actually, mm. so... Um, feels like we're never going to get out of it. It's been a little chilly here yeah. <laughs> in the Denver area. Um, but uh, yeah, we're on to episode 21. Um, we want to talk about high-intensity, give, give a high-intensity base training overview. So essentially, we're coming to the end of um, the first phase of our trainer or cycling progressions in the in our base builder program for this year Mm -hmm. which has been focused on the lower intensity aerobic and aerobic strength Mm -hmm. piece the last like two months um we're coming up on the transition through the holiday season and then when we come back we're going to spend two months building up sort of the higher intensity base um and there's a lot of just little nuances there that we're going to cover yeah it's um something people look forward to um they they think they want to do the higher intensity stuff because sometimes the aerobic work seems kind of too easy or boring. Mm-hmm. And then there's definitely like some anxiety and complaining when we get to the hard stuff. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, the grass is always greener on the other side. <laughs> yeah, then you miss the, the easy grind, the standing climbs. Right, right. Um, so there's that, that we want to talk about. Um, and then just kind of base builder week 18 coming up. We'll, we'll actually touch on both 18 and 19 because it's our, yeah, our holiday weeks. holiday break. Mm-hmm. Um, from the structured training allows you, if you're following the plan, to get through like the holidays without having to have quite as much structure and specificity yeah. and getting in what you can, and, but also spending time with your family and traveling and all that kind of stuff. So um, actually quite a bit to kind of cover. Um so yeah, we've been just wrapping up our final couple of weeks of, of the sort of part one of our base builder program. Um, and this week we are in the gym with the with the in-house group doing our one rep max lifts or heavier lifts mm-hmm. um, and then testing on the bike. So a lot to kind of wrap up. Yeah, a lot to wrap up before we take a break from each other. And from the intense training. Not or you the, and me. Yeah, We're not, not taking a break. No, I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> the group and oh, the group. Yeah, maybe they're sick of seeing us. <laughs> okay. And then... Um, I thought you were breaking up live no, on air. Yeah, on air, live breakup. No, no, no. You're stuck with me. Okay. And you'll be really stuck with me in the van for the next two weeks in our teeny little bed, squished like two peas in a pod. Right. Um, yeah, we, we are very excited about going to Arizona. Yeah. And um, we're just wrapping up the week. No really big news. Um, last time we... Had a podcast we talked about my my back hurting or I can't even remember what was hurting then. Your hamstring. Oh, my hamstring. Yeah. Yep. Everything's <laughs> healing. I've been able to do my trainer rides and strength train and just been easing back into it. So Great. It's all good. No Great. big news, which, what do they say? No news is good news? Right. Always. Absolutely. Um, well, I know we have three or four good questions yeah, here to cover. Yeah, I love when questions so we can come in. So you printed these out for me to jump read. Jump into it. Um, we have a second question from a listener named Harold Dekoff. He's writing from Europe, but we're not quite sure where. Um, so, Harold, thanks for another question. He writes, Hello, Cody. Thank you. I bought both of your programs, and I am I am in week five of the base builder. Cool. Today I saw I made a mistake in the amount of miles for my goal race. 
I thought it was 50 miles, but it's actually around 66 miles or 105 kilometers. I bought the version 3.1 cross country marathon mountain bike, low volume, 10 week race prep plan reusable. Can I use this for the 66 mile race or is it better to take, and then he lists another one, version 3.1 ultra marathon mountain bike, low volume, 12 week race prep plan. Greetings, Harold. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so he's referring to two different plans that we have in our um, on Training Peaks plan store. Um, one is cross country marathon race um, target, and the other one is ultra marathon mm-hmm. mountain bike race targets. Um, both of those come in low and high volume options depending on what you need. Um, and I think his question is his race that he's targeting is about 66 miles or so. And so does that bump it up into what what would be considered the ultra marathon yeah, distance? Yeah, and I think that's his, the heart of his question. So, mm-hmm. and that's it's a good one. So, in general, a marathon mountain bike race is in America at least they try to target around 50ish mm-hmm. miles give or take. Um, ultra marathon races I would define as being more like over 80 miles. Um, but a better way, I think, to think about this rather than distance, and this is what I, how I replied back to him, was think about how long you think you're going to be out there mm, for point. the race, right? So because different people's abilities, you know, some people might cover 50 miles in, you know, three and a half hours, or other people might take five or more hours. And um, also the terrain. And also the terrain. That's the other factor. If there's tons of climbing and or tons of single track, your speed drops significantly and you're out there longer. Mm-hmm. Whereas if there's a lot of like fire road, double track, gravel road, whatever, um, higher speeds, um, you can get through that much more quickly. So it's more important, I think, rather than looking at the distance of the event you're training for is the time that you think you're going to be out there. So I would say in general, marathon mountain bike race is kind of like the three to six hour range of race duration that you anticipate. And then when you get over six hours, that's where it shifts into more of an ultra marathon kind of effort or, or distance. Um, so that's how I kind of re- yeah, that, responded that to him. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. So think about the, how long you think you'll be out there for the given race that you're training for. And if it's less than six hours, I'd probably steer people towards the marathon plan. And if it's more than six hours, I'd steer them towards the ultra marathon plan. Okay. Great. Thanks, Harold. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Keep us updated on how the training's going, and when you get closer, or after you do the race, we'd love to know how it went for you. Yeah. All right, question number two. Wes Hayes writes, Cody, hope all is well. Wanted to get your quick thoughts on something. I have been sick basically since Thanksgiving. Hmm. Viral cold, sore throat, ear thing. I've tried to do a little here and there, but it has been compounded by work travel. So my thought was to push a schedule back a couple weeks and basically have the current plan run right up through the Austin Rattler. There was a three to four week gap between the end of the base plan and that race, but if it's pushed two weeks forward, it would only be a week or two, which I could use to sharpen the knife ahead of the race. Just want to get your thoughts when time permits. Thanks, Wes. Okay. Um, Well, I read your response to him, so I'll pipe in for a second. Um, I really liked your answer to okay. him about the well, getting yeah, about the getting sick part. Um, and my, I had a buddy that was sick for, well, Darren, you know, it's our buddy. 
um, he was sick for many, many, many weeks. And a lot of it had to do with getting back into teaching. And he probably wasn't sleeping very well. So I'm very interested in these sort of answers. Mm -hmm. So you said to him, um, to avoid getting sick, try your best to stick within the prescribed intensity effort for the intervals. In other words, don't work any harder than what's asked. Also, make sure to prioritize sleep over everything else, even training. Cutting sleep short to get in workouts has a negative downstream effect and leads to complications such as illness. A good diet of vegetables and complex carbohydrates, which is fiber, can also help keep the gut bacteria firing on all cylinders. Rest up, get well, and keep up the good work. Okay. I mean, don't we all struggle with, like, you're not feeling very well, you didn't sleep very well that night, but you still feel obligated to do that workout. Right. yeah. And you need someone to tell you, just don't. Like, it's not worth it. If you didn't sleep well, listen to your body, back off. It's better just to skip that day's workout. Maybe take your dog for a longer walk if you just want to get some fresh air and, and you know, move a little bit. But don't get on the trainer and do those intervals just to bury yourself more. Yeah, it digs a deeper hole usually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a great question because we have on our podcast agenda or schedule here to have a show um, sometime in January. I forget exactly when. I want to talk a lot about, number one, how to avoid or minimize the chances of getting sick with a mm -hmm. cold or whatever. And then also, what do you do when that does happen? Because it, inevitably it does. I mean... I've had a pretty good streak for a while mm -hmm. with some near misses on colds. I'm going to say I've got my streak intact. Um, I'm not being <laughs> okay. sick for like five five years or so with a cold. Now you're just bragging. Yeah, just bragging a little bit. But um, but yeah, there's there's definitely some tricks and things of, around that. So I, we'll have a whole kind of show kind okay. of addressing that. But um, but yeah, the the things I mentioned back to him in that email reply were pretty much it. It's like sleep is number one. We've talked about that before. On our podcast, um, diets number two. Yeah, keeping that gut bacteria yeah. healthy. And number three is listening to your body and don't overdo it on the training. And that's even when you're feeling good, don't overdo it. And we'll yeah, talk about you that. You say that coming all up. the time. Only do what is required of that workout. Don't feel like you're maxing out every workout. That's, right. It's too stressful. It's too stressful for your body. It's foolish. And it doesn't let you progress like you need to. It's it's a whole year of training and racing. So right. it's baby steps. You you can't rush the fitness. Exactly. Exactly. So then to address his question about like yeah, shifting schedules and whatnot or the weeks, you can definitely do that. I think um, he's got a great plan there. I mean, he, he was on the base builder plan. He had, I think, close to four weeks from the time it ended to when his first kind of A race was. So he was going to then just do a few weeks of kind of race prep because okay. you, you will come off of this base builder program and our base builder training plans very good shape and ready to race okay. like you you don't necessarily have to do some sort of like race prep you know progression to really have a great race you'll you'll race really well in the second half of, of the base builder actually yeah because we are doing high intensity stuff yeah coming up exactly so you know he's if he's missed a couple of weeks of training due to illness or even if someone misses it due to travel or just things get complicated mm -hmm. you can you know pause things on your end on training peaks and just sort of shift the work you know all the workouts the weeks ahead two weeks and since he had that buffer in there he can push it right up to where I think he said he had one or two weeks then instead of three or four to do some sharpening workouts and, yeah. and and race really really well so um he's got it he's got a good plan there um 
to do that. And, um, and from a technical standpoint, if you're using Training Peaks, I do think you have to have the premium version of Training Peaks to, to shift, shift workouts. workouts and I move workouts around. Um, so if you don't have that, if you have the basic Training Peaks, your hands are a little tied. I mean, you can do it, you're, you know, shift it. In but, your own mind. Yeah, in yeah. your own mind. Yeah. Um, but if you want to do it on the calendar, on the software, you have to have that premium account. Yeah, um, premium's not that expensive. No, it's like 20 bucks a month or 100 a year or something like that. Yeah. And as a side note, um, as for podcast listeners, you can use the code. Um, let me think if I can remember it now. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's VDevo30, I think. I think and you get you're correct. Yeah. 30% off the premium Training Peaks account. So, um, so if you don't have premium training peaks that's a good opportunity to do that you'll it'll make it like 70 bucks for the whole year or something so um and i'll, I'll put the code in the show notes because i can't remember exactly what it is but um then, yeah and, and you can move things around i think it's helpful i i was on the basic plan for a while and then you switched me and it's much easier in case i need to move things around yeah um and then wes i'm excited to hear how the austin rattler goes for you that is a race i've been wanting to do for a while yeah for those that don't know that's a lifetime series race within like the Leadville umbrella so it's a Leadville 100 qualifier it's in Texas um and we neither one of us have done mm-hmm. it but we've always kind of been interested in it yeah but we're just keeping our eye on it and we'll fit it in at some point it looks like a fun trip you know a drive down to Austin yeah that town fun. has a great reputation for good food and just beauty of the hills and and whatnot so right right someday we'll get down there for that one all right thanks Wes um question number three also comes from Europe over in the Netherlands, so I may mispronounce The Dutch. This. The Dutch oh, names are tough. Yeah, so I will give it a go here. It's Jerome Dijksma. I think that's probably... Ooh, I nailed as it. Close no, as I have no get. idea, so I apologize if I mispronounce your name, sir. He writes, Dear Cody, reaching out to you with a few questions to decide which training plan or plans of yours to use. My 2020 goal is to have a strong finish at the Run Forest Run XXL Cross Triathlon on July 5th in the Netherlands. It consists of a 1.5K swim, a 45K mountain bike, and an 18K trail run. My first impression was to use your Xterra Triathlon 25-week complete program, Phases 1 to 4, version 2.0. Then I started listening to your podcast and found out that you have more plans in stock, like the 12-week base builder and the 8-week race prep. I would like to know, do I need any special equipment for either one of the training plans besides a heart rate monitor? such as power meters on my bike, for instance. Um, also, do all training plans incorporate strength training and technique training? And lastly, what kind of basic fitness level is required to successfully complete this kind of training? Hope to hear from you soon. Kind regards. Okay. So a lot of questions there, um, and we'll yeah. clarify a few mm-hmm. things. So A lot of questions, but it's good stuff. Yeah, really good questions. Um, so we used to do triathlons, um, Xterra. And it doesn't sound like this is an Xterra brand. It's a different company, but it sounds really fun. Yeah, in Europe, the off-road triathlons or cross triathlons, they call them, are super popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love off-road triathlon, Xterra racing, um, and something I hope to get back to at some point down the road in the years to come. But um, super fun racing. And it sounds like this one he's targeting is pretty cool. A little longer mountain bike, which obviously I would like, mm-hmm. and a little longer trail run. Um while keeping the swim the same, which right, is... Right, <laughs> that's, that's up our alley right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that sounds cool. Um, so he's asking specifically about, like, the training plans. Um, I do have a very successful 25-week 
complete Xterra or off-road triathlon program or plan that takes you from base all the way to race over 25 weeks. So it's super comprehensive. It, it has the swim workouts, the bike workouts, the run workouts, strength training workouts, the whole thing. Um, and it's a great program. And I've had it for, it's a, it's a version two, so it's five-ish years old, roughly. Um, but really good. So he's now found out by listening to us, which is cool, that we have our base builder programs. Um, and I do have 12-week base builder plans in the version three, um, which is our latest ones, very similar to what we talk about here on the podcast, um, for triathlon. And mm, um, okay. what I don't have yet, but I am working on it, is the race prep portion, like the step two. Gotcha. Um, for, and for, for that, what I'm doing is creating a Xterra-specific one, a short course triathlon, like sprint and Olympic distance, and then a long course, probably a half and a full um, Ironman distance okay. um, race prep. And those will be progressively longer because as the races get longer, you need a little more time to build out the race prep. Um, but uh, so that is coming. So specifically to his question, um, you really can't go wrong either way. Um, the difference is between all our training plans, um, version two versus version three, is version two being four or five seasons old now um, has number one my not my first strength training kind of protocol but second strength training protocol um, which is very good but it's a lot more simplistic I guess mm -hmm. um, which maybe maybe some people would prefer better um, where the version three has all like the strength progressions in the squat and deadlift and then all the videos that correspond, all the core movements. Mm -hmm. um, and in my opinion, it's better. It's newer. We've come up with it that it just... More comprehensive. More comprehensive, yeah. And we've seen a lot of great success with it. Well, this version two of the strength training program incorporate less barbells and more kettlebells and dumbbells? Yes. There's no, in fact, there's no barbells. Okay. Because um, it's sort of my pre-barbell days. Um, so it could be better for those maybe traveling for work and they're using that's true. Yep. equipment at a hotel gym or yep. whatever they have in their garage or basement. It'd be very doable at a smaller okay. gym, hotel gym kind of thing, um, or even a home gym possibly for that. And then the other, for the cycling portion, um, the version two is sort of pre-smart trainer, mm -hmm. you know, explosion over the last three, four years. Um, so it doesn't have the structured workouts where the, it has the structured workouts just written out and telling you what to do, but it doesn't have inside training peaks where it has like the, the little bar graph of like, you're going to go hard here for three minutes. And so it's like that taller column and you can connect it to a smart trainer and it'll you know, adjust the load for you and all that sort of thing. Right. So not to be confused that you're, you, you definitely have created structured workouts. There's still intervals in, and all that. It's training yeah. peaks term of structured. Right. Where it connects to a smart trainer, Zwift, and, you know, has all the fancy stuff. So those are the two main differences between version two and version three in all our plans. So all our biking plans, uh, triathlon plans, everything. So, um, so that kind of addresses his question on, you know, like specific equipment for either one. Version two while there are power suggestions in the intervals, as well as heart rate and RPE, um, you don't need any special equipment. Um, I mean, the one thing I would say is heart rate monitor everyone should be using because um, most of what we do as a you know aerobic endurance athletes is we train aerobically, and that involves our heart. So I think it's really important to monitor heart rate around training. And then for interval works, uh, interval work, I think 
the power meter is great in conjunction with the heart rate monitor. And we'll talk about that actually coming up here in a few minutes when we get into the main part of the show. Um, so you don't, uh, besides a heart rate monitor, you don't need the special equipment. Now, if you want to use the most out of the structured workouts in the version three plans, it's certainly better or designed for the use of a smart trainer or power meter. You know, if you want to use it with Zwift or whatever app you want to use it with to run the thing, um, would be the, the one difference there. Um, but if, if one of our listeners is, is using a traditional trainer, a, a quote, dumb trainer, a version two plan might be just perfect for oh, them yeah. because they're not, they don't have the capabilities of loading the, the program, the program into their smart trainer. Right, exactly. And if you have a dumb trainer, a non-smart trainer, you can still follow the version three. You just can't use all the features to its fullest gotcha. potential, but you, then you get the latest and greatest like progressions of okay. intervals and things. So the overall concept is the same between the two versions. It's just more, there's more features, I guess, with the version three. More bells and whistles. More bells and whistles, exactly. Um, and then his last question was about um, what, kind, uh, what kind of basic fitness levels required to successfully complete these kind of trainings. I think that in general, all my training plans are probably geared more towards the intermediate to advanced athlete. Um, a beginner athlete would probably be Unless you come from a background of swimming, running, you know, some sort of structured training, mm -hmm. you're probably better off maybe a little more simple like beginner plan. And there's plenty of those on Training Peaks in their plan store. Where ours is, because it has like more of those layers of intervals and heart rate references and power references, and it, it just steers it more towards the intermediate rider or racer to mm -hmm. definitely advance. So it'll take you from intermediate to a pro level kind of um, ability and fitness level required. Is that, you think yeah, that, no, that makes sense? Yeah, that makes sense. But I kind of think that a beginner a beginner cyclist <clears throat> might just be that person that's going to the rec center and jumping in a spin class and not necessarily looking for this, you know, 12-week structured training anyway. True. I feel like if someone's, like, searching for a plan like you would offer, they're ready to be they are pretty. Yeah, they're yeah, intermediate. Or, or really close to being intermediate, and they're ready to take that next step into – pretty focused training. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so what kind of fitness level I would say is sort of intermediate. Like yeah, yeah. You, you can't be brand new off the couch necessarily. You'd probably be better doing some sort of basic plan. Um, but if you've been training some and want to learn how to get better, I think it, it suits that person. Well, this brings to mind, um, our in-house athlete, Ben Watkins, and we referred to him, I think in the previous podcast. Mm-hmm. He was in my strength class in-house last night, and we were chatting about the training program, et cetera, and he's never, ever done a, a cycling race. He His background is running. He was a pretty amazing runner. Right. And I was encouraging him to um, think about some kind of cycling race next year. Like yeah. He's an amazing athlete. He could do this. Mm -hmm. And his eyes were starting to light up, and he was thinking about things. Um so in other words, he's one of these people that had really very little cycling experience. He's a beginning cyclist, he's a but beginning he's cyclist. not a beginner athlete. Right. Yeah. And he embraced the structure. He, in fact, he said last night like how much he like loves the program. Oh, cool. So that was really cool to hear. Yeah. You know, when you come from structure training, be it, albeit um, swimming or running or I guess anything very serious, mm -hmm. you embrace the structure of a program like ours. And he was really happy. And, and now I'm encouraging him to think about 
thing, you know, something that he would like to, to do in the cycling world. Yeah. So he might be reaching out to you for a coffee date okay. and, and cool. picking your brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I get questions from him a lot in class because he's always like trying to connect what we're doing on the bike, how it relates to what he's done in the past mm-hmm. running mm-hmm. and comparing like, oh, so these intervals are more like 10K pace. It's like, right. yeah, yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. From an aerobic standpoint, yeah, you're, that's about right. So, um, so yeah, um, hopefully that answers Jerome's question from the Netherlands. Yeah, thanks so much for that question. Um, okay, the last question is from our friend in town, Kevin Langan, who in fact bought one of your previous bikes, which he references. And he reaches out to us and says, Hi, Cody and Kathy. Wondering what options I have for joining the remote base builder program starting on January 6th. May I prorate the November to April deal, please? And what is the best way for me to pay for it? Cheers, Kevin. P.S. The Epic worked very well this past season. A lot more comfortable than the nine-year-old hardtail. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah, Kevin's an awesome racer. We see him often up in Winter Park at that local series or the semi-local series. He's just a really solid athlete. Yeah, he's among the best um, masters mm-hmm. mountain bike, cross-country mountain bike racers in, in the area here, the Front Range. Um, and he's trained in-house with us a couple of years ago, I think two years worth. Mm-hmm. And then last year... Um, his kids are getting older, life's getting a little busier. He did the remote base builder program and it sounds like he wants to get back on it. Um, yeah. After the holidays, after the holidays here, which is great. And, um, so yeah, so so I think this is maybe an applicable question to a lot of people is like, um, hopefully it's like the new year's coming. I want to get going on the program and maybe they're thinking about joining our remote base builder program. Um, so you can do that. Um, starting off, uh, January 6th is when we come back from our holiday break. Um, and we've created a $199 entry point to come in and you get blocks three and four. So you get the second half of the base builder. And then you also get sort of a first eight week introduction to like a race prep, Mm -hmm. um, progression in March and April. So, um, for 200 bucks, four months of training, um, following along exactly what we're doing, it's there. So yeah, so Kevin, I will prorate you, um, but anyone else that wants to jump on board as well, that 199 bucks will get you um, on board and following along. Yeah, so between now and January 6th, you have three three weeks or so, four weeks, I lost track of the days, um, just try to get some writing in so that it's not yeah. quite a shock to your system if you've been taking an extended break on the couch. Right, or I think this could be applicable if people are finishing up cross-season because cross-nationals was last weekend. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe take a week off, you know, this week or whatever to kind of recover and recuperate from that and then ease back in over the next few weeks of just easy riding. Very easy riding, Um, And then you'll be ready to kind of start your base training in early January and Mm -hmm. um, can jump onto our program as, as an option to do that. So if you want to follow our you know, 2020 remote base builder program. We also have the training plans available, 12, 18, and 24 week um, versions of those on training peaks. Um, yeah. And you'll put the code for our podcast listeners for those stock training plans. Yeah. In the, the, show notes. the stock training plans for podcast listeners, we offer 25% discount. So there'll be a code in the show notes. Um, and then also in the show notes, a link to um, get on board in January for our remote plan. So thanks for asking, Kevin. It'll be good to have you back training with us even though it's remotely but um and i'm glad cody's bike is working out for you yeah, yeah. i think anyone who buys one of your i say old bikes but they're never more the than a year season. yeah previous yeah. season bikes is always like a lucky guy because you take very good care of your bikes 
and it has you know top of the line stuff on it. Right, so right. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Very um, good. Yeah. Well, thanks for the questions. And let's let's talk now about our weeks eighteen and nineteen for our base builder program. You're right. So um, we're in seventeen now, wrapping up like we said with the testing, some strength testing in the gym, some bike testing on on the bike, <laughs> aerobic and anaerobic power testing on the bike. Um, and then we're eighteen weeks eighteen and nineteen are designed as like that holiday break. Mm-hmm. So there are if you are following our program um, on Training Peaks, there are suggested workouts, and I think what can work really well is main, doing a little bit of strength maintenance, whether it's at home or you go to a rec center or a gym in your area. Um, and, and there are some actual workouts available, you know, in the program to follow, but it's really just lightening things, taking a little bit of a break. Maybe you only do it once a week instead of twice, but if you're really liking it and you want to do it twice, do it twice. Um, you have some flexibility there. And then on the bike, I think what can work well for a lot of people is um, through the Christmas week, which is busy for a lot of people, use that to kind of get recovered, refreshed a little bit. And then the New Year's week, which a lot of people have some extra days off um, around New Year's Day and New Year's Eve and all that, maybe you can get in some easy aerobic miles um, like we talked about in our last episode, number 20, doing kind of that uh, small high volume block or like a little training camp. Yeah, I think that's still such a fun idea. So if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to our previous episode, number 20, and um, you'll get tips on how you can structure your own you know, staycation, your own high-volume camp with a, a friend or two if, if that can work out as well. Right, right. Or if you're lucky to bring your bike with you wherever you're traveling for the holidays and you, know, you can ride outside or something. So um, I know here in Denver, at this point, the weather looks halfway decent. Yeah, amazing, actually. The holiday break. Um, so get out and get those easy rides. The idea is to get a break from the structured training mm-hmm. so you're ready to get back into it January 6th. Um, so don't, what I wouldn't say is like, you know, slave over intervals or um, things like that. You know, even if it's indoors on Zwift or something, like just keep it fun and like a aerobic ride um, and get those easy miles in again mm-hmm. as a little break. So, um yeah, and then we're headed off to Arizona ourselves um, here in a few days, and then we're going to recover a bit, just like we said, through the holidays with the family, and then following that, we're going to do our six-day WeDevo training camp Whew. where we'll put in yeah. tons of miles. So. Yeah, and riding our new bikes, really, for the first time. Right, right. Yeah, I took my new bike on a bike path spin the other day, and it was riding amazing. Cool. But um, hasn't it hasn't been broken in on the trails yet? Right. Honestly, I'm just like a little bit nervous because I haven't <laughs> ridden on trails in what nine months due to my injury. Right. I'm sure it's all going to come back to me. Um, don't they say it's just like riding a bike? Yes, that's the what I've heard. Yeah, in the but past. I am kind of nervous. Silly, I know. Thankfully, we're going to some of like our favorite trails, so I think as soon as I'm on those trails, I'll forget that I haven't been on my bike in a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, it'll come back to you. It's always fun too if you've like been on a road bike for weeks mm-hmm. and weeks or months in your case and then you go to a mountain bike and it feels a little awkward like you're driving yeah. a tractor but. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um but yeah it'll be super fun so fingers crossed we get good weather down there and um we'll be putting in tons of miles so hopefully others can do that whether it's in a yeah, send sunny us some location emails or... and let us know what you're up to That'll yeah be... or, or photos even oh yes yeah, that'd, some... that'd be fun tag us tag some photos on social media yeah if you're on instagram so our instagram is um weight endurance um on instagram 
and tag us like if you're outright even if you're zwifting right in your pain cave basement or whatever but you're putting in those aerobic beast miles like take a pic and tag us or you know if you're in some destination riding or yeah yeah we'll out, share like, it that'll be so fun yeah so let's see what doing. you're up to over the over the holiday break yeah and we're gonna do put some extra effort into sharing several pics and stories and whatnot throughout our we devo camp week um of everything we're doing with mm-hmm. the kids and stuff so um a lot on the agenda there um well cool let's get into kind of the main part of the the podcast um talking about kind of phase two of our base builder program coming up um and the concept of like a high intensity base building protocol mm-hmm. yeah. um you know because i think that base training as a general term, people think about like long, slow miles or just accumulating a lot of time riding slowly, which is definitely important. We've talked about that in the past, um, building all the aerobic infrastructure. Um, but there's also a lot of benefit to adding in appropriate amounts of progressively higher intensity intervals. You're also training the aerobic system just at a higher level. Um, and if you design the intervals correctly and do the work correctly, where you're not working too hard, it can give you a big boost in fitness as you go along. So when we say high intensity base builder overview, it's quote high intensity as it's higher than our aerobic intensity where we've kept people at 80% of max heart rate or less. We did introduce some surges in the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. in those aerobic strength climbs, which we finally got to get our heart rates up a little bit. And that was in there intentionally to give us a little soft introduction to higher heart rate work without it being too stressful. Right, right. Um, but coming back in January, we will be w- training higher intensity power outputs, energy systems, but we're going to do so in a way that will actually keep it relatively low stress and relatively speaking still benefiting our aerobic system. If that kind of what will the aerobic or what will the heart rate requirements be for the next block? So for the next block, there won't be as strict of heart rate requirements. We will be for those intervals, especially in the later parts of the individual intervals, getting heart rates upwards of around 90% of max heart rate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just a fan in training that, or, you know, proponent of that, like, there's really no reason to get your heart rate any higher than roughly 92% of max heart rate in training. Because once you start getting above that, above 90, definitely 92%, it's very stressful on our bodies. And it also requires a lot of extra recovery time um, between workouts and so forth. So when you get that heart rate up, you're really stressing the body. It, you know, Different things happen with the hormones, the cortisol levels, all these things in your body. And it's just, put simply, just stressful. So if we can create an interval structure, an interval progression that allows us to train the power associated to these higher energy systems, but keep the intervals short enough with enough recovery in between and things like that, that doesn't get our heart rate above 90, 92% of max and comes down periodically in between in the recoveries, it keeps... it keeps it less stressful mm-hmm. or more manageable at least where we can, we're not stressing out our hormones. We're not, you know, extending recovery periods and we can stay consistent day to day with the training. So yeah, it's like a clever way to get the work in. Like you're being sneaky about it. <laughs> yeah. It, well, exactly. And it's like, 
you know, interval, everyone when they hear intervals thinks about going as hard as they yeah. can for whatever length the interval is. Exactly. And it, that's just not the smart way to do it. Um, there may be times for that, but in general, the concept of interval training is you're taking a specific load, let's say a power output that pertains to an energy system. So let's say VO2 max, that's eight to 16 minutes worth of, if you were going to go as hard as you could for eight to 16 minutes, you'd be training or in that VO2 energy system. You're not going to do eight to 16 minute long VO2 max intervals because in theory, you can only do that once. That's right. like your then maximum. Right, then you'd be passed out on the floor That's writhing. a race effort, yeah. yeah. Writhing in pain. Right, so what you do to train VO2 max in this case is you break that duration, eight to 16 minutes up, into smaller segments or intervals with rest in, or recovery in between. Mm -hmm. It makes that power output and training that energy system very achievable and keeps you from stressing yourself out as you would if it was a true like maximum effort. So to do those VO2 intervals in this scenario, you, if you're doing say two to four minute long intervals, accumulating upwards of eight to 16 minutes at that power output, you're still getting all that work done, but it's broken up. Mm -hmm. So it's easier on your body. Right, so your heart rate starts to go up. Oh, it's almost up there But then you get a break. But then you get a break. Because it's designed to have that recovery, right? And then you right? do it again. And then you do it again, yeah. yeah. And so it's a way to get the work in without with lower, keeping the stress low. Mm -hmm. So then you can recover from it and come back the next day or two days later and do it again and keep building fitness. Well, it's not only more physically um, doable by breaking up in these smaller segments, but mentally more achievable because it, it can be so like stressful to think about those max efforts yeah they're hard well think about testing day i mean that's yeah. probably the one time in training where i'd say go for it give it your full the full gas effort yeah and right? mentally it's very stressful it's very hard yeah. yeah i mean we see people all the time like even myself it's like oh it's testing day and then it's like maybe you're sort of excited to look for improvement but you're also like oh i gotta yeah, your push myself to the max. a little bit yeah, like, that, <laughs> this is gonna be painful so why you shouldn't have all your interval workouts be these dreaded, painful workouts. Right. They need to be designed in such a way that it's like, okay, I know this is going to be hard, but I know I can also do it, and it's not going to kill me, and I'm going to be able to recover and progress with the rest and of my And when week. you're successful in those intervals, you are motivated to keep doing them. Right. That's a big mental thing, right? Because we've all probably done intervals where we've struggled to get them and maybe we couldn't, and we had to stop. Well, there's something's going on there. You're probably either too tired coming into it, which is possible, or it's just too hard. Like you're asking yourself to do too much for too long of a duration. Instead, do some smaller intervals at the same power output. So you're still getting like the training benefit from like a muscular mm -hmm. standpoint, but you're breaking it into small enough segments that it's achievable mm -hmm. because no one wants to train and not succeed in their training, after a while, you do that too many times and you're, I mean, your mental capacity is going to be shut, shot, right? Exactly. Like you're going to think you're terrible. So it's all about creating an, a smart interval plan mm -hmm. that's achievable, that's challenging, but achievable and builds up progressively. So you are getting stronger as you go rather than breaking down and you're digging a hole of fatigue and exhaustion. Right, right. Um, so that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, so up to this point, the first phase of base builder, we've been training very much by aerobic train heart rate. Mm -hmm. um, 
and just kind of seeing where our power is. Where is our power on those ILTs? Where is our power on the aerobic uh, climbs and things? But mainly using heart rate to kind of govern things. When we switch over to phase two with the higher intensity, this is when we're going to start actually trying to target specific power ranges or zones or levels, whatever you want to call them, pertaining to the energy systems that we're training. And while doing that, we're also going to watch what our, how our heart rate is responding to that work. Right. Um, you have like a primary and a secondary protocol. Right. And now we're shifting to the power being primary and heart rate being secondary. Exactly. So it's, you're going to train by power, but see how your body responds to that power via heart rate. And that'll clue us in on, is this hard enough? More than likely, yes. Is it too hard? Could be. Meaning if, if your heart rate's getting too high... Maybe the effort that you're trying to train at, the power you're training at, is maybe a little too high. Or maybe you're a little fatigued and your hormones and stress levels are already elevated due to either maybe the previous day or two's training or a stressful day at work or a bad night's sleep, those sorts of things. This is still important to listen to and see and recognize and back off if it's required Mm -hmm. when you start training higher intensity. So many people will say, well, power is power, and I'm going to do these numbers regardless. Come hell or high water. Right, and it just creates the snowball effect of fatigue and stress, and eventually you end up getting sick, right? So um, that's not the goal here. The goal is to train only as hard as what's being asked for, what's required for the workout, to train that specific energy system. Right. Because many times, if the intervals are designed correctly, the set of intervals... They should be very achievable, and you should be thinking, well, I could kick it up another 20 watts and do yes, this. Yes, exactly. Sure, you could, but at what cost, right? Like, it's just going to stress you out more. Your hormone levels and exhaustion and fatigue, that's not the intention of the workout. So you should be, if your zones are set correctly and the workout progression is set correctly, mm-hmm. then these you should finish the workout feeling like you could do another interval or maybe two more intervals possibly right right. right? so it's just like in the gym if we're strength training we're not maxing out every day and we're not even really coming close to that usually usually we're doing sets at 80 percent or 75 percent of our max or whatever it is so it's very achievable and you can do it and so you can get out of bed the next day and you're not trying to do your one rep max over and over and super sore right so similar concept um so in a nutshell, it's like for intervals, don't go overly hard. Um, you know, I've heard coaches and athletes in the past, you know, it's interval day, we're going to go full gas. Or yeah, dude. Really smash it. Save that for a race day. Full gas is race day and maybe test day. But even mm-hmm. that, I recommend people hold back. Like right, we caution a couple our daughter percent. to hold yeah. back a little bit more. Um, really, it's like race day is your full gas day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, resist doing that. Um and then think about the idea of like you're cre- you want to create this training session that's going to create a positive response to the effort and you're going to be able to recover from a day-to-day, week-to-week. Because we're going to come into this, we're going to have eight weeks of, of training coming up mm-hmm. after the new year with some you know fairly high-intensity efforts. So if you go too hard on one or two or three days within that, it could tip you over the edge. So the idea is to be able to Go appropriately hard, hard enough, but not too hard, and recover week to week, okay? Um, 
And then another question I get from people too when we go into the space is like, should I use erg mode on the smart trainer or not? And I think we've had some discussions about erg mode. Um, I'm going to leave that up to the individual. The workouts in training peaks are um, set related to your FTP number. So make sure that is accurate. And in general, I'm not a massive fan of the whole FTP concept and like setting zones based off a percentage of that, but it's what we've got for the technology right now. For that reason though, I like to do these outside of ERG mode. So I know my range is let's say 300 to 325 watts is where I want to be. And I just make myself or you know pedal those watts rather than having the machine say, you need to be at 312 watts and kind of holding me there. That's just not my preference. It feels a little artificial to me, but that's all to be debated. So we'll leave it up to the individual, but I think in class, in-house, we're going to try going non-erg, at least for the first week, mm -hmm. um, see how that goes. And then we may even, because in years past, I've just used the erg mode yeah, because I remember that. it's there and you know it is effective, but it can be frustrating for some people, especially if you have lower cadences or higher cadences than what you like to train at. Um, so we're going to try it this year. Okay. Some non -erg. So if we know we're trying to do our um, two-minute intervals at a certain percentage of our FTP, yeah. that's what we'll be aiming on the screen to hit is that percentage of FTP? Yeah. So That's for an it, easy way, I think. Yeah. So you want to know going in what the range, what the power range you're looking to train, the energy system, mm -hmm. and know what that is. Maybe write it on a piece of paper so if you forget. So you know, okay, for these intervals, I want to be in this narrow range of power because it'll fluctuate if you're you know um power kind of bounces around well, a that's bit, why but... i think i like the percentage um view sometimes better yeah because it doesn't fluctuate as much say you're trying to hit 92 percent you know you might see it this the screen bounce around from like 90 to 93 right but if you have a range of watts i feel like that sometimes bounces around way more, and more. it's really tricky yeah yeah so individuals can take their We'll have an FTP computed from the test, and we'll have a you'll have a, a zone power number, and you'll have to calculate out what percentage of FTP those numbers are. Okay. And then you could say, okay, I need to be between ninety and ninety five percent of FTP, or whatever the case is. Okay. Um, because that in the whole FTP concept is where the issue is like a, different people derive different energy systems to achieve a specific FTP, where like. So it, using a percentage of FTP just doesn't work for everyone. Okay, um, okay. You know, so that's a whole other topic. That's a whole other topic. And we topic. talked about that in the testing episode a little bit. But, um, yeah, from the test, if you follow our test, you're going to know what numbers you're going to follow in. You can compute those to a percentage of FTP for you, or you can just say, I'm sticking it between two, 300 and 320 watts or whatever okay. it is. Um so that, right. that's that. Erg or not to erg, that's up to you. Um, and Thank we'll you. play around with it in-house. All right, you um, had some tips on uh, minimizing stress and assisting in recovery. Re like in regards to like fuel and nutrition for the day. Were you ready to touch on that? Um, I think it, we skipped one, I think. Oh, okay. Intervals. So, so, well, first let's talk about... How are you going to break down the intervals? Um, yeah, so okay. the way we like to do intervals is um, in our program. 
So we have different energy systems. We have anaerobic threshold, uh, which is like your lactate threshold, that sort of half hour to hour, 32 to 64 minute power, if you're being specific with our zones. Um, then you have VO2 max intervals, which is 8 to 16 minute power. And then you have anaerobic power intervals, which is 1 to 4 minute power. Um, and what the way we do that is we then target those specific zones via power. And, but we break the intervals into, in most cases, sets of four. So four by X number of minutes or seconds at that power range. Because um, that goes back to what we were saying. So maybe I'm repeating myself a little bit. But it's like breaking, taking a, a, a energy system that's related to a duration and power number. That's mm -hmm. this maximum sustainable power. And breaking it into chunks. And four sets of fours where I typically like yeah, to Yeah, I like fall. that. And maybe because my background is in running, mm -hmm. just like our friend Ben Watkins. Oh, right. And so, so four laps of the track. Yeah, and, so like, yeah. I go to that comparison all the time, especially when we do our testing. So to break something down into sets of four makes sense. So if I were, and we would do these workouts on the track, this type of workout on the track when we were training for triathlons. For example, say you're going to train your mile speed. Mm-hmm. And your best mile ever, or that moment, is yeah six-minute mile. Okay. Like you mentioned, if, if I were to go out and do repeats at six-minute miles, I'd be like totally trash. I couldn't yeah. even in do theory, one. In theory, you could do one. I could do one. It. I'd yeah. be like laid on the ground. I probably would pull my hamstring again, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. So then you would say, okay, well, we're not going to do that. We're going to do four by 400 meters, so four laps with probably like a jogging lap in between. Mm -hmm. And you would do each of those track laps at a minute 30. Right, which is and your six-minute mile. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm just Same giving this concept. like concept in a different way in case like people are possibly lost. Um, my background with running, this makes total sense. I'm going to do four by one and a half minutes with a recovery lap in between. At the end of that track session, I'm going to be like tired but not totally trashed. Yeah. And you I will got be, to work on my leg speed. And you'll be able to achieve that six-minute pace for one lap mm -hmm. without – It's it'll be challenging. It's fast, but it's not like – full gas you mm -hmm. aren't like completely gassed at the end and you can recover and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it yeah it, i really enjoy doing those kind of workouts and i really enjoy doing the same concept on the bike it just works right right so that's in general how we do it there are some exceptions and variations but in general we take that energy system duration break it into uh, sets of four totaling that duration so for example if you're training 32 minute power which would be like the top power Top end power for anaerobic threshold, we'd break it into four four by eight minutes would mm -hmm. be sort of like the the goal or target set, um, with maybe two minutes recovery in between. Same same idea as four laps of the track with a easy. So lap four sets of eight minute intervals at your thirty two minute power. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's not we're not doing eight minute intervals at or even close to our eight minute power. We're doing eight minute intervals at our thirty two minute maximum power. And there is the whole concept of intervals and why we're doing them, breaking them up. So in the end, we're training 32 minutes at our 32-minute power, in that example, but it's broken into mm -hmm. four eight-minute sections with maybe two minutes of recovery, so it's very achievable, rather than saying we're going to go 32 minutes all out, <laughs> yeah. and that's a race, and that's yeah. hard, and that's maybe it's achievable, but you're wiped out And when you you're will be very nervous before the next workout, if right. that's how you would approach it. Exactly. So the idea with the intervals then too is having the adequate volume of the intensity to get the positive response in training. Mm -hmm. So 
That's why we do, if we're training 32 minute power anaerobic threshold, we do 32 minutes worth of work. And usually not always, but rarely do we do more. Sometimes we do less, especially if we're building up. But the idea is to find that appropriate or adequate volume of that intensity. And then also along those lines, appropriate amounts of recovery in between the intervals. And that mm -hmm. will manipulate both the, the duration or volume of the intervals we'll be doing as well as the recovery interval durations. Those are our two variables okay. that we get to kind of manipulate to progress through a series of workouts, training the same energy system. And we'll touch on that. Actually, why don't we just touch on that since we're talking about it. So for example, the first four weeks coming back in January, so basically all of January, we'll be focusing on that anaerobic threshold. So like I said, that's like lactate threshold. That's your maximum power for 64 minutes or like an hour to as much as 30 minutes. Okay, so from 30 minutes to 60 minutes, pardon me, is that range or that level of anaerobic threshold. So for the first two weeks, we'll target the lower end, which is six, your 64-minute power. Mm -hmm. And by doing our tests, you'll identify what all these exact numbers are. Um, and we'll start out, I have the first workout coming back in January after our two-week break to ease people in breaking it up significantly. So we're going to do two sets of eight times two minutes at our 64-minute power. Yeah, which will feel pretty easy. Yeah, it yeah. will. Very achievable, right? Because we're coming back. Maybe we haven't gone very hard in the last few weeks. Um, we're coming back into this. We want to do it rather than saying, let's do 16 minutes at 64-minute power. That would be a little bit more difficult. Achievable, but more difficult. So instead, we're going to break it into 8 by 2 minute, which is a 60-minute block. Two sets of those. So we'll get a total of 32 minutes at our 64-minute power. Mm -hmm. Um, just broken into those two-minute chunks. Then we'll go, the next workout, we'll extend those two-minute intervals to four minutes. So we'll do two sets of four by four minutes at that same power. Mm -hmm. So we're just progressing. And then the next session, week two, coming back, it'll be two times eight minutes at that same 64-minute power, two sets of two by eight. And then the last one of that level will be um, the 16 minute one. So we're gradually building up to hitting a full six, two times a full 16 minutes. Right. Now, in theory, or ideally, I would have often have athletes do closer to the whole 64 minutes worth, where here our hands are a little tied because we're restrained to 75 minute workouts, at least in house on the trainer. So that's why we're only needing two sets and getting 32 minutes worth of 30, right. of 64 minute power work. So if someone's doing this at home and they want more, a little more work, you can do a third round or even eventually a fourth round so you're getting the 64 minutes. Right, accumulating the 64 yeah. minutes. So for that's how I have it in the high volume uh, base builder yeah. plan okay. is those trainer workouts are more about closer to two hours and you're getting a lot more of that 64-minute power. You're getting closer to 64 minutes worth of 64-minute power. And for like our noon bonus session... For those of us in-house that stay after and do the extra bit, we'll do some additional work at that 64-minute power. So getting a little more, a few more minutes at the, at that power. But then that theme just kind of continues. So then weeks three and four coming back, we'll, we'll ramp the power up to 32-minute power. So that's going to be about seven, eight, nine more percent of power. Um, and the same concept. We're going to start with sets of, three sets of four by two minute. Mm -hmm. So again, we've gone up the power, so we're going to cut it back a little shorter intervals. 
Um, so we adapt and progress. Then we're going to do three sets of two by four minutes at our 32 minute power, and then eventually get to four sets of eight minutes. So that's 32 minutes total at our 32 minute power broken up. Yeah, and those that, those are challenging. Those are definitely those are some of the hardest ones I think because they're yeah. long, especially in a trainer, um, and For they're sure. still powerful enough. Those are definitely th- those that week we were doing those yeah, four by tough. eights are are, are tough. Um, and then we go into VO2. So now VO2 is eight to sixteen minute power. And with that, we're gonna do so. This we do a little different. We're gonna do four sets, four by two minutes at eight minute power. Okay, so that's eight minutes at eight minute power broken up, and then a little recovery, and then we're gonna go four by four minutes at our sixteen minute power. So power will come down slightly because it's a longer duration, but still the low end of VO2, mm-hmm. and do four minute intervals. Um, the way we progress over those four weeks is we keep the number of intervals and duration of the intervals the same, but then we trim the recovery intervals. Yes, this is the devilish twist. Right. So, so you're doing the same amount of work those t- whole two weeks, but the br- amount you get to recover in between gradually shrinks and mm-hmm. decreases with the idea of like you're getting fitter and more able to handle that. Um, and that last one is definitely... Um, challenging where you're doing like four by four minutes at 16 minute power and you have one minute to recover and um, mm-hmm. and then you repeat so it's really good but by then you're in theory ready for that and then the last phase last two weeks uh mini block there is anaerobic power so now we're talking very powerful one to four minute like if you're gonna go as hard as you could for one minute which we identify in the test and four minutes that's that range and here we go so we do four by 15 seconds at one minute power four by 30 seconds at two minute power, and then four by one minute at um, four minute power. These are fun, I like yeah, these. Yeah, so these are fun. Um, and what we do with these is we keep the recovery the same. It's about three times the amount of the interval, so 45 seconds in the case of a 15 second interval. So you get lots of recovery because he's a lot of, a lot of power. Um, but we then, to progress, we add more intervals to the set so that we go five by 15, five by 30, five by 60, and then the next one, six by each of those durations. So those are. this is one of the rare instances where we do a little more uh, work than the actual duration. I think it's very doable, though. You, oh, yeah. you have sufficient rest. Um, and th- this is the kind of workout that flies by on the trainer. It does, yeah. And before you know it, you're done. I mean, personally, I struggle with those eight-minute intervals. It feels like it's never those going to end. Those are the hard. in my opinion, <laughs> the hardest. It's never going yeah. to end, and... You have to really nail the music selection to keep to keep your mind engaged. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the anaerobic power intervals are just really fun. Yeah, absolutely. And even the VO2s are the most painful. If, I mean, that's sort of a negative sounding word, but I dread those the most. The anaerobic powers are actually fun. They're hard, yeah. but they're fun. And then, yeah, the anaerobic threshold, the longer ones are a little mind-numbingly <laughs> it's all masochistic. Yeah, sounding, not, not everyone's going to be rushing to, to sign up to sign up for these. <laughs> right. um, but man, they're good bang for your buck. Yeah, like, you'll be really fit after doing this program. Absolutely. And keep in mind, we've got this all designed. To, you're not killing yourself every workout, and we put little limiters on it. And we'll talk about each block as we get into them in January and February. But they're designed in such a way that, like, as soon as you start really struggling usually the interval is coming to an end and you get your recovery Mm -hmm. they're designed to sort of work that way um and then you get to recover a little bit and then you go again and then so the first half of the intervals like doable and then by the time you get to the end of the interval you're struggling and it's time to rest again so exactly they're designed with lots of thought to them 
So they are hard, but they are also very achievable, which is what we talked right. about. And they're following our principles about not doing too much work. Right, right. And we put little caveats of like, if your heart rate's getting too high, you need to take a 20 second, 30 second break within the interval, you do it, things like that. And we'll talk more specifically about how to do that in the future. But um, but yeah, so that's the progression um, and it's really cool stuff. So if it sounds like something you wanna get in on, definitely sign up, Get we can get you set up and you can join us for these intervals remotely at home. You can do these outside as well. You don't have to do them on the trainer, but um, mm -hmm. they're very effective on the trainer because the controlled environment's amazing. So um, that's what I would recommend. Um, yeah, and then lastly, I mean, when we get into this phase, uh, fueling for the workout becomes a lot more important um, where the aerobic stuff is like low enough intensity that you can kind of eat whatever, whenever. It's not so bad. These, as you get to some higher intensity stuff, you need to make sure you have enough carbohydrates to fuel the workout. Uh, but And then also time your meals appropriately so you're not trying to digest something yeah, and, and redigest something mid-interval. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then also thinking, starting to think a lot more about recovering afterwards. Um, so some tips on that. Um, yeah, you wrote down, um, have your last like substantial meal about three hours prior to the workout. Yeah. That would give your stomach time to clear clear out. Similar to what you do on a race day, like a high-intensity race day. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but you'll probably want to have a snack about an hour before you get on the trainer and have it be more of a high-carbohydrate right. snack, like an apple or a fruit smoothie or yeah, a banana. meal. Banana and peanut butter. Right. Well, maybe not the peanut butter, but a banana and a piece of toast. Peanut butter is okay too, probably. Okay. But, well, it's um, good, I guess it's however it sits in your tummy. Yeah, and then in a pinch, you can do a bar or a gel. But in general, I mean, try to get more like fruit and real food, I think, is a mm -hmm. little more beneficial. You know, like, but if you're commuting between work and meetings and, you know, it's like an energy bar, that's fine too. Um, uh, yeah, like an hour, a little over an hour before. That'll really top off those carbohydrate stores so you can... Because you're going to be depleting those fairly quickly with these workouts. Yeah, and it'll help you stay, um, like, feel energized to complete the intervals. Otherwise, you might feel sluggish, and then you won't feel successful. And it goes back to our conversation a few minutes ago that if you don't feel successful, you're not going to want to do these That's intervals. That's a great point, yeah. If you come so, in a little depleted, you may very well be, like, able to do the workout. But if you don't have the sugars, it might keep you from doing the workout, completing it successfully. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that can play bad tricks on your mind of like, exactly. oh, this is too hard, I'm not good, or whatever. So, Well, we have a fun group in our in-house um, training facility, and they, they bring in like bags of Starburst and, and um, Twizzlers and Mike and Ikes and all sorts of things, so that's okay to... The sucrose. Yeah, to eat a, <laughs> eat some candy in the middle of these hard intervals. Yeah, it's probably not the all right, all ideal right. way to do it, but, but it's the kids better than it. nothing. Yeah, if you need the sugar, you need the sugar. Um. This and is, what? Well, this is also a good time to plan for a recovery drink yes. right afterwards. I don't, especially if you have to like drive back to to work and shower and all this stuff, and you don't or eat you, for another yeah, hour. Yeah, you have a half an hour drive home for, from our gym program. But if you're at home, you're already home. But um, yeah, getting the recovery calories is important. Um, I think a good ratio is like um, something around probably like 40, 30, 40 grams of carbohydrates and then maybe 10 to 20 maybe max grams of protein. Um, so a lot of your sports recovery drinks are kind of designed around that ratio. 
um, so they can definitely work. Um, I used to not be a huge fan of taking recovery drinks after the workouts. Um, I think because in my mind it was like, one, I want real food, not a recovery drink. And so by taking this two or 300 calorie recovery drink, it meant I had to like have a smaller dinner and I liked eating dinner um, or lunch, <laughs> whatever, whatever time of day it was. Um, but I do think now after learning more and hearing more about recovery and the effects it has, like <clears throat> when you go hard and you elevate your cortisol levels and these hormones that are getting stressed out, getting those sugars and little bits of protein in right after helps modulate, regulate mm-hmm. those a little bit and does help you recover better. <clears throat> and also I think keeps you going on more of like a fat burning progression rather than if you don't eat anything right after it your hormones are out of whack and then maybe it thinks you're going to be starving and so it kind of holds on right, to right. fat and um on your body rather than sort of like releasing it to fuel if that kind of makes sense no it does make sense and i'll say that i really like doing a recovery drink after these um higher intensity workouts be- for a couple of different reasons number one I don't feel like eating food, true. but I can drink some calories and I, I'm a pretty good sweater. You know, my chamois sweat through, my headband sweat through, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I've lost much more water than I realized. Yeah, and, and so, electrolytes and things. Yeah, I like really make it a huge, huge like drink. It, not that I put extra scoops in. I just do extra fluid. I do extra, extra fluid because it just forces me to like fill up my, my hydration stores like like my cells are little sponges and they right. need to be hydrated again. Right, right. And from what I understand, the recovery drink right after doesn't have to be this massive calorically dense thing. It's like two to 300 calories, mostly carbs, a little protein. And that is what most recovery drinks are designed. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you even do like one scoop instead of two or one and a half instead of two or depending on the brand. But, you know, getting that two to 300 calories, mostly sugar, a little bit of protein, right after, um, even while you're just like spinning easy on the trainer to finish it all off, I think is beneficial to getting yourself recovered, but also keep the fat burning momentum going. Um, and if you do have to travel or it's going to be a short bit till you get to actually eat, it keeps you from getting so hungry and hangry that you you scarf down the potato chips. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it kind of like, helps you there too, like stabilize things. It soothes the wild beast. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes right when you finish, you're like, oh, I'm not hungry because you don't, your like hunger sensation isn't there because you just worked hard. Right. But your body actually is like, yes, we need fuel and, and Yeah, then you drive home. It's been like 40 minutes now. And then you're like, and you walk into your, your kitchen and you rip open that bag of chips and like, Argh. Right. And your you... body thinks you're starving. <laughs> so I think it's like holding on to fat and then you're like eating whatever's easy, which is probably loaded with fat like yeah. potato chips or whatever and you eat that so so long story short get the that um recovery drink in and then also lastly like you just mentioned you sweat a lot on the trainer or doing mm-hmm. intervals most people will probably do these on the trainer you need to hydrate so think pre-hydrate in the morning like we've talked about two big glasses of water make sure you're drinking enough throughout the day make sure you're drinking enough within the workout and then obviously after the workout so hydrate 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 so um I think that kind of covers what we're going into in a couple of weeks as we go into January. Yeah. Anything else? Did we miss anything? No, I think that's I think that's good. Um, we plugged the 
the remote base builder program that starts in January. Yep, look um, for the link in the show notes. You lots, can join us. Lots of tip, yeah, codes and links in the show notes. Um, send your questions. Uh, tag us in your photos over your holiday break. That would be awesome to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, oh yeah, so that, we're going to close the show out here. Kind of first time doing this with a uh, interview with one of our We Devo riders, Mia Azeltine. She was just up in Washington State um, competing in the cyclocross um, national championships in which she won yeah. the 15, 16 so exciting. junior girls. Um, so she's going to be a new rider. We've known her for many years. She's um, here in the Denver area, mountain biker, road racer, cyclocross. She's really good at everything. Um, but we, we get to get our training philosophies yeah, on, her on her this year. We're going to race mountain bikes with us. And yeah, we're super excited. So um, we're going to do a little, close the show out here with a little interview with her, just kind of hear what her experience was and, um, and that kind of thing at cyclocross nationals. So um, we'll hand it over to there, but, uh, thanks for listening this week and we'll be back next week, uh, with a little recap of progress that our in-house athletes have made in the gym and on the trainer in the first part of the base builder. And, um, and then we'll be heading into the Christmas week. So, uh, again, thanks for listening. And here comes the interview with Mia Asseltine. Okay, we're back here live with our special guest, Mia Asseltine, and Coach Kathy's here with us Yeah, as well. we're excited to have Mia tell us about her victory at National Championships for Cross Racing. Yeah, so to fill people in, Mia, last weekend, um, what was it, the 14th or 15th, I think? 14th. Of, of December, um, was up in Washington, near Seattle, um, doing the Cyclocross National Championships. And spoiler alert, we'll just say you won. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> um we got to watch it on, well, we got to watch the last two laps Yeah, on TV we goofed live. it, didn't turn it on in time. And, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but it was really fun getting to watch it, but we really want Mia to be able to tell the story of how it all played out and yeah. tell us about the beginning of the race since we missed it. Yeah, and I think um, some of our listeners maybe aren't even do cyclocross, but everyone, I think, kind of has an idea of what it is, mm -hmm. but super demanding, and you're very good at it. Um, yeah, she's very powerful. Yeah, and so we just want to get hear all about it basically yeah. so um well, well she's a new rider on our team this year she was on another local team last year and we're very excited she's on our team yeah so thanks for taking a few minutes out of your saturday here to do this with us yeah of so course. how old are you right now mia 15 and for how many years have you been riding bikes 13 years okay 13 so years wow be, like before you started walking yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were you on one of, the, one of the strider bikes or did you no nope. yeah i don't think they had those no Training wheels then, and then those... I Training wheels, but they came, came out, off yeah. came off really Quickly. fast. Okay, I bet. I mean, how many years have you been racing? Three. Okay. Is cross your favorite discipline of racing? No, I would say, like, mountain biking a little bit better. Okay. 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 I wasn't sure, because I just think of you as such a superstar. One of my first memories of meeting you was, I think it was last fall, at maybe the Feedback Cup in Golden, a cross race, and... It was my first race. I didn't know what I was doing, and you did, and you were amazing. And I was like, oh, my God, who is that girl? <laughs> yeah, and so I was chatting with her afterwards. And, yeah. And I've watched you race mountain bikes. I've watched you race... Um, road bikes. Road bikes. I've watched you race cross. And you race on the track, too, I think, I saw. No. <laughs> I thought you did do track. Okay. I ride on the track. You've, okay, you've ridden on the track. Yeah, yeah. I'm too scared to do that. 
Um, but that's yeah, the even... one thing, not that it's about me, but I've never done track riding. That's like the one cycling discipline I've never done. Yeah, I haven't either. But that's cool that you've done it. Well, and I watched you race all the local races at um, called Back to Basics this fall, and like every week you had the whole shot. You're so strong. Yes, and we found that out specifically about two months ago when we did our initial testing at session six. And yeah, came, your one minute power was like, like destroyed 450 almost all or but something? one or two of the boys. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So, awesome so you got job, the power. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So, since we missed the um, first two laps, can you tell us like? Um, well, I guess, first of all, like, were you nervous on the line? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was very nervous. There are a lot of strong girls that lined up there. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, who specifically was um, your biggest competitor or competitors? Oh, um, I would say probably Catherine Sarkozov because she won the um, Junior Women 13-14 National Championship last year. Okay. And I noticed that she was a really strong runner. Mm. from last year and there's Louisville. a lot of running and there was course. a lot of running on this course I was like okay gotta watch out for her right yeah and then anybody else that, that comes to mind um yeah I mean I was watching out for all the local people because they're all very fast like uh Kira Bond Amelia Orton Samantha Scott's not local but I race her a lot okay. um local as in you race them here in Colorado or yeah they, okay oh okay, okay I didn't know if you meant local like they're used to the mud up in Washington state no um yeah like they race here okay. in Colorado okay so a question for you because we're not big cyclocrossers I know in mountain biking when you go to race different regions of the country like the terrain is different you know maybe one's rooty one's muddy one's rocky one's dry I assume cross I mean, you hear Pacific Northwest, Seattle area, everyone thinks rain and mud, which there was. Right? Yeah. Plenty of it. And I think in Colorado, we get some snow that makes things muddy a little bit, but I would assume the mud's, like, different up there. Yeah. The mud in Tacoma, it wasn't sticky. So because it rains so much there, it was more of a wet mud that wouldn't affect your shifting very uh, much. And it doesn't gum up your gears and stuff? Yeah, okay. but here in Colorado, like, it dries out, so yeah. it's really sticky. and Right, and your tires end up weighing, like, five pounds So when, yeah. when you were racing, did you did you stay on the same bike the whole time? Yeah. Even though it was oh, muddy, wow. you stayed on the same bike? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I assume, yeah, there were bike, multiple bike changes. Interesting. No, yeah, only. And this okay. course had, well, we noticed a few steep... At least one steep hill you had to run up. There were two. There were two. Oh, two? Okay. Yeah. Was that hard, especially with the mud? Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely hard, but the mud didn't really play a huge factor in running up. It was more like just this pain cave of running up okay. a steep hill. Right, right. Oh, I didn't even think about it being a different mud than I was used to here. Yeah, okay. interesting. So anyway, back to the race. You're lining up. You're nervous. Yeah. And your race, so junior junior girls, 15, 16, is usually what, like a 25, 30 minute race? Yeah. Okay. So in this, in there, how many laps was that? Three. Three but, laps. Okay. Um, oh, so we only missed the first lap. Right. Okay. So what happened? The gun, the gun went off. Did you get the whole shot? I didn't get the whole shot, but I was in second place off the line. I don't know who was in front of me. And then... Um, when we came to the first hill run up, I passed the first place girl, so I was in first. But then after, during the first downhill, she passed me back, so then I was in second. And then after the second run up, two other, or wait, no, three other girls passed me, so then I was in fifth. Okay. So what did you think of that moment when you were in fifth? 
I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I, I need to, I need to start going faster here. Yeah, because um, you're probably not used to being back in fifth. You've had a pretty successful season this year. Yeah, I mean, being in fifth wasn't like, it wasn't great. Obviously, I was like, I need to, I need to get up here, but. I, I've been in fifth. Okay, okay. <laughs> so when we turned down the, the race, um, you were in third, and you were about 15 seconds back from second. Probably just, about a lap in or so. Yeah. So maybe walk us from there. Like, did you see her? Like, were you just, like, laying down the, the hammer? Like, I'm going to get her? Yeah, I could see second and first for the majority of the race, and I was... I was like, I have to, I have to catch them. So then I was just trying to make up little seconds here and there. Like really smooth turns, smooth descents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And some of those descents that I saw were, looked pretty sketchy. Like they were. People yeah. had their legs out, people were tumbling down and then running down. Like it, it looked pretty, <laughs> slip and slide. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Did you ever fall? No. Oh, that's good. That's great. I can't yeah. People it. lost a lot of time falling. Yeah. And there were some, there was at least one good flat section. Were you trying to hammer that to to make up some time? Yeah. Um, there were a couple of flat sections. Um, pretty much all of the course other than the two run-ups and two descents was flat. Okay. okay. So you just had to make smooth turns and have good lines through the mud. And, and put the power down when you could for as yeah. long as you could. And you could mm-hmm. probably see yourself catching second. <clears throat> I could, yeah. She yeah. dropped off behind first, mm-hmm. so I caught her. And then, yeah. Yeah, and I remember she rode on your wheel for a little while, mm-hmm. and then you dropped her. Like, you just, you were gunning for first at that point. You saw her, and you felt like you could get her. Like, do you remember what was going on in your head? I was, I was actually fighting for second, because I knew that it was Catherine behind me, and I was super nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, she's really strong. But, yeah, so I was just trying to put time on Catherine, actually. My goal wasn't oh, okay. to that catch was Carrie. Yeah, um... Yeah, but then uh, Carrie crashed on the second descent. Oh, that and was every... not on the video feed. Okay. No, yeah, she did, and then everybody was yelling like, "She's down! You gotta, you gotta go get her!" <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so I was like, "Oh my god! Like I gotta go!" And then, so then I just you had started... hope you could get her. Yeah, and then I started going super fast. Yeah. And <laughs> well, we were at this restaurant watching, and and then all of a sudden you were in the feed the camera feed with first place, and I screamed and scared everyone at the table. Yeah, because one <laughs> camera shot was like, me, the, the first place um, woman came through, and then it was like, it seemed like 15 seconds, and then we saw you, and we're like, okay. Okay. And then yeah. it was like, a, you know, we had a few bites of our soup, and then we the next thing we looked down, and first place comes around a corner, and then Mia's right there, and we were like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we screamed like, <laughs> like, oh my God, I scared Cody, and I realized you had really gone for it. Yeah. So what happened? Do you remember? As soon as I saw her, like, I don't know, like seven seconds in front of me, I just started closing that gap because I was really like, I can, I can, I can win. And yeah, right. she started making a couple like little mistakes mm-hmm. and, um, and I was like, oh my God, like she's tired and I still had a little bit of energy. So yeah just went for it. Well, then you guys, she was on your wheel, I think, and then you guys had a sprint finish, and the angle was weird on the camera that was recording it. Yeah. And I wasn't sure, like, what was going to happen, because it looked like she was closer than she probably was. Yeah, she was farther back. Okay. Yeah, everybody yelling at me, was like, no, like, go to the line. I was like, no, she's she's farther back than it looks. Yeah, the camera was a little 
tricky for us yeah, watching. The angle was a little funky, but yeah, it was cool. To well, see. it was very exciting. Yeah. It was close for a cross race. Yeah, very close. And I'll say from my from mountain biking experience, when you see your competitor, like you've caught almost caught up to them, it's quote easy to like dig deep and pedal and push and close like a 10 second gap Mm -hmm. but the little bit of cross racing I've done I can say it is not easy to do that in Mm -mm. cyclocross like every little second you're like fighting Mm -hmm. for yeah so for you to close that down and get even like you said within seven seconds and cross that's like an eternity still yeah I agree and like you said it just takes a mistake either from your competitor or if you were to make one or whatever Mm -hmm. and that can make those changes and I mean, kudos to you for like sticking with it and yeah, it was really like, the mental tenacity to close that down. That I'm, I know that was not easy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts from the race you didn't say? No, not really. <clears throat> I was just like super stressed the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you crossed the line, did you feel like the pressure? It all, yeah. It was like, and... oh my god, I just did this. Yeah. And, yeah. Because you've been thinking about that all year, basically. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That is awesome. Well, we're very proud of you. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, very well done. So for those that don't know, Mia is going to be, or is it now, on our weed development team for 2020, mm-hmm. um, and we'll be racing mountain bikes with us, training the rest of this winter and spring, and um, I mean, you have tons of potential, so we're so excited to have you. Not only as a racer, but you're a great person, too. I mean, we saw that, was it two years ago? Oh, my gosh. The last yeah, Winter Park right. race. That's right. It was freezing and raining and Sophia punctured and you like stopped mid-race to make sure she was okay and that's right that's my first memory of you it not was like the cross race and I then I accosted you in the bathroom afterwards and like oh yeah you. that's Remember right this? yeah I and I said Mia I can't believe you stopped and helped Sophia. I said, honestly, I don't think she would have stopped for you. <laughs> I remember that. I remember I was it like, was, who is it this? It blew my mind. What, what, oh, that I was hugging yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy lady in the bathroom. Yeah, well, so I just right couldn't, then we knew. I couldn't believe it. Like, I, I said, you're a really good person. Yeah, quality person. And then we quickly picked up that you're also a quality racer. So um, we're excited to be able to hopefully help you improve. And you'll be racing... Um, 15, 16 junior girls on the mountain bike Yep. this coming season. And, you know, I think um, taking, like, the like the powerful explosiveness that you have on the cross bike, and if we can get you where you can extend and sustain some of that power for longer durations on the mountain mm-hmm. bike, I, should be it's going to be pretty tough to keep up with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, stay tuned to hear more about Mia and our other riders. We're excited to share their achievements yeah congrats again so there's Mia Asseltine your 2019 USA Cycling Junior Girls 15-16 national champion whoop, whoop. <laughs> so we'll have to get you a custom stars and stripes jersey for I know we should have ordered one <laughs> yeah you know we don't want to jinx it yeah, that's true. Time, but I'm sure QRA can uh, whip something up for you so um, very good well thanks for spending the time with us and everyone thanks for listening and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We're going into the Christmas week, and uh, we'll still have a shortened show probably this coming week um, talking about some of the results from our retest in the Base Builder program, but um, stay tuned for that, but otherwise just have a good holiday season. And then Mia, you'll be joining us soon down in Arizona for our training camp, so that'll be really fun. All right, cheers. All right, thanks for listening.